All right, welcome to episode 29 of Ancient Ways for Modern Days, where we talk about biblical truths, ancient biblical truths, and apply them to our modern day life. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the hosts, and joined with me today, as always, is... Mike Freeman. And Mike, how are you today? You know, I'm just kind of a little struck that we're in episode 29. That's a... Uh, that's. I, I don't know. I guess I didn't realize we're, we're starting to put some ticks on the uh, the scale, right? Like We are, we're Moving man. forward, we're uh, 29. That means next week is episode 30. That is true. Dang. And we're, you know, we're getting better at this. We have new gear. We're starting to work out our flow. I mean, I feel like if you were to listen to uh, previous episodes, or at least maybe like the first five, then, you You'd know. Be like, what are these guys five? doing? That's right. And maybe you're listening now and you're still wondering to yourself, what are these guys doing? Yeah, that, that's there's some truth to that, maybe. That's true. But yeah, man, we are on episode 29. And uh, let's see, we've talked about, we've gone through a couple. We went through a topic and then we went through the book, uh, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. And now here we are talking through Who Am I? Identity in Christ. Gary Bridges, yeah. That's right. So uh, this has been enjoyable. I, I hope people who are listening to this, they're edified and they're getting some worthwhile content yeah. out of that. You know, there's people in Valley that are reading the book. I don't know if they're following along on the podcast. I hope they are. But uh, this is really meant to be, hey, let's read this book. And as people read the book, we can add a few additional comments and some of our thoughts and maybe clarify some things. And uh, and so that's kind of the design of this is it's been pretty fun so far. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, actually, I was thinking about this morning that the more we do this, the more we're actually generating content for even like new believers within our church, because we could give them a book and then give them uh, an address to be like, hey, if you want to listen and talk along with it, here are here's things that we've created like, like for your you. house address. Hey, if you want to talk about this, you oh, show yeah. up to Andrew's house. And that's, that's, you know, lately people have been getting my phone number and they've been calling me at weird times. I don't know who's giving up my number, but like, Hey, if you need anything, call this number. That's and I'm funny. like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. So I like to so, mess around with our administrator a little bit. Yeah. And uh, yesterday I kind of made it out just an offhand comment that I was giving out her personal phone number to people if they need help with certain things. <laughs> and she, she like, she did this like looking at me over her glasses thing. <laughs> like she knows I'm playing, but she doesn't think it's funny. And uh, she still doesn't know what to do with me, actually. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, both of uh, both of the wonderful people who help with the administration around here, they're both very private with their numbers. And so that is a that is a perfect prank. Yeah, it's pretty good. You know what we should do? I know this is off topic, but we should get one of those apps where we uh, where you disguise your number. You can have like a like a fake number every time you call, and we should just call them over and over oh again, and just being different people and asking for different things. So speaking of admin teams, uh, uh, dear friend, the church I came from, we served together for years. Right? She knew me before I was a pastor. All this stuff. And, uh, and so we had a really good relationship. Okay. And, uh, and one time she left her cell phone out unlocked on her desk as she walked away from it. Uh. And so I went in and I changed probably 30 of her contact names to fictional characters. Have I told you this before? No, but I, I, I've, I've seen this happen. Yeah. I've seen this happen. And yeah. so like, even now, like she, she is when her, she's changed phones over the years and contacts, you know, they transfer over yeah. even now, whenever I call her, it shows up on her phone as Batman. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's good. That is good. So, hey, Mike, uh, we're this episode, we're going to be talking about chapter seven of uh, Who Am I, right? I am a saint. But before we jump into that, actually, I, I'm i a little curious. I've been trying to follow along. Uh, some news are happening with President Randy Adams, president of our Northwest Baptist Convention. We interviewed him on an earlier podcast. Yeah. And I saw some crazy things happening. Uh, I saw that he was nominated for 
something. I guess it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I, I'm, can you explain to me what's yeah, yeah, going yeah. on? So actually, he is executive director of the Northwest Baptist Convention. Right, and so that's that's the thing that we we that's that's our partnership with yeah. other Southern Baptist churches. In the so those are all yeah. the Southern Baptist churches in Washington, Oregon, and, and uh, part of Idaho, from what I understand. And we partner together to do work in the Northwest, but we're part of a, a larger organization called Southern Baptist. And the Southern Baptist Convention is not a denomination as much as it is an affiliation. And so this is a a collection of churches that we partner together because we believe the same things. We all agree to the Baptist faith and message. Yes. And we we philosophically are doing work in in the world, not just in the Northwest, not just in the United States, but really across the entire globe in the same way. And so we we partner heavily in something called the Cooperative Program. Right. That's actually it's a that is a Baptist a Southern Baptist distinctive. Yes. So we we pull our money together to send missionaries as opposed to having missionaries come and raise their own funds. Yeah. 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 And so our missionaries they they actually get to go and do the work on the field instead of like most of their time or half of their time or a large portion of their time. Many missionaries goes to fundraising. Mm-hmm. And so this we want to take that off of their plate. We want them to not be burdened with trying to fundraise, but instead we want to be like Paul asked the churches to do, to take a collection right. for the saints so they can go and do the work, right? And so that's a huge distinction. And so we are actually, uh, we're, the Southern Baptist Convention is giant, right? Yes. If you're going to consider it a denomination, we're the largest Protestant denomination, right? Like, yeah. And uh, we are you know, conservative, mm-hmm. and, which means we, we hold to the authority of Scripture, and we work really hard to maintain a doctrinal purity. And we live in a culture that's always pushing against that. And so there's always kind of a tension there. We're always trying to reaffirm what is true and not let culture uh, dictate for us how right. we live, right? Mm-hmm. But Randy, uh, our friend, right, he's just, <clears throat> you know, he lives, you know, 40 minutes from us and right, he right. serves out of Vancouver and we mm-hmm. see him, you know, pretty regularly. We just saw him last week. He's actually yeah. preaching at Valley in March. Oh, okay. He's oh, preaching that's at Valley right. in the right. middle of March. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, he is, he's a great leader mm-hmm. and he's even he's healed. Guy, yeah. He's very humble. He's, he's very intelligent. He, he, he's well read. Um, and he loves the Lord. He loves churches. He loves ministry that comes out of local churches. He's not big on like big organizational, like, Let's just be this giant, massive organization. The churches bow down to us, but he understands that the Southern Baptist, the network is meant to serve the churches. Right. And so this is not top down. Like all of these organizations that are Southern Baptists, they tell churches what to do. Right. Instead, they exist to serve the churches. And so this involves our seminaries. This involves mission organizations like the IMB and the Northwest or North American Mission Board. These are all meant to be subservient to the churches and serve the mission of the church instead of be dictatorial toward the churches, right? Right. Uh, so all that said, Randy has been nominated, and I think I think he's a great nomination. I think it's a lot of what our our convention needs. There's there's a lot of uh, fighting, if we're honest. There's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of maybe uh, drifting from scripture, and I think Randy's the kind of guy that can, with wisdom, with humility, with patience. Uh, help kind of shore up some of those conflicts and get us moving forward on mission instead of kind of like, you know, digging lint out of our belly button. You know what I mean? Is yeah, what it okay. feels like we're doing sometimes. So if, if I'm hearing you correctly, uh, there are two levels to the, uh, when we use the word convention, there's the Northwest Baptist Convention, which is more like our, literally like our local team up of churches here in the Northwest. Actually, there's three. Okay. okay. So there's association. And so today I'm going to go hang out with a bunch of pastors from Southwest Washington. Okay. Right. And that's an association. Then there's a next layer, which is the the convention. Like typically it's a state convention. Right. That's what we go to for those meetings every like October or something. But we have a Northwest 
one because, you know, in the South states, you know, there's a lot of Southern Baptists in the South. Right. Up here, not as many. We're kind of the, the you know, the edge of the frontier, right? And, uh, and so we have three states that combine for a convention. And then there is the Southern Baptist Convention, which is all Southern Baptist, right? right. That's like the worldwide one. So the, the, the state one up here, Randy is the president of this executive one, ex, director. Sorry, executive director. Of I think that one. El Presidente is a good title. Yeah, but, yeah. You know. He's the grand potent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's that. He's been nominated to be president of the global one. Yeah, and this is. I, I'm still learning a lot of this. I, I, okay. I'm not the most well versed in it. I'm learning a lot right now. Actually, I don't know if it has implications global or if it really just is. I think it might be just America. Okay. Okay. But we we do. You know, we send funds to the IMB, which is international. Right. And I know, like, like David Platt was president of the IMB at one point. In time. Correct. Is, is, is he, isn't he still? No. Okay. So, so th- this is this is a huge this is a huge deal that someone local, someone that we know, is being nominated, possibly being called into this this position. And if I'm hearing you correctly, this is important because we do see some um, some wavering, I guess, from uh, from from scripture, maybe from a. Uh, I think we've talked about this from a practice. Leaning to, into a pragmatic standpoint mm-hmm. of church le- leadership at times, yeah, like pragmatic a corporate at sense. best. Yeah, and I would say uh, there is a uh, secularism yeah. that, that has begun to creep. There is a hey, you know what? We can be liked by the world if we act like the world, mm-hmm. and I think that's really dangerous. Yeah, and so I think Randy is the kind of guy that would serve really well. And you know, this is just who am I? I'm just some pastor at a church in the Northwest, you know. But uh, because he's humble, because he's he's brighter than he lets on right like yeah because he is a a guy that understands that the convention as a whole southern baptist convention is meant to serve churches and not the other way around and some of these guys uh you kind of get the sense that they serve in these roles not necessarily the president but like there's a whole ton of roles Mm -hmm. and it can almost be and this is you know us in the northwest we don't feel this way but i i think some of those guys in the south it feels like like corporate america like I am, I'm a rising star or I'm about to, you know, climb the ladder and now I have maybe influence or power. That's not what it's about. I mean, you think about in the church, a pastor is the one who is, they lead, they, lead. they carry responsibility, yeah. they, they carry the, the office of pastor elder. Yet what are they doing? They're shepherding the flock. They're caring yes. for the needs of their sheep, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it's meant to be. And Randy's the kind of guy that gets that. Yeah. So a true I, I servant leader. Yeah. I don't know how it's all going to play out, but you and I, I, th- I think we're going to go. Yeah, that's going to be a go busy month. We're going to give our voice to that. And uh, yeah, you have something else kind of, are you going to like, um, what is it again? Is that, is that June, right? Yeah. So, okay, actually that month is going to be busy because we're going to do, we're going to go to Florida for that. Then I'm going to be doing my first Spartan Stadium race like two weeks later. And then there's is, VBS. And then the, the week I come back, like I come back, it's VBS. Oh boy. So, uh, which is different than last year because last year we had VBS and then camp back to back. But this year they've put a month between the two. So... I'm just, I'm excited. This, anyway, I'm excited for Florida. I'm excited to support Randy. I'm, exported, I'm, I'm excited to kind of step into a larger world and pay a little more attention, I guess, to, to what's going on. Uh, I, think, I think we've given that more time than I intended. Uh, it's I, easy to ramble. Yeah. But uh, so I think, I think I'm ready to jump into today's chapter, today's topic of uh, sainthood, if, if you're ready, Mike. Let's do it. Okay. So let me. Oh, no. So this chapter, it's I am a saint, and it's uh, it's really built off these previous few chapters, right? And so we've talked about, hey, we're all creatures, mm-hmm. right? And then we are 
we're in Christ and out of being in Christ. That's if you've trusted in Jesus and his death and resurrection, then he starts to narrow. So beyond just being creatures, we're all in Christ, which means things like, well, we are justified. We are, we are looked at by God as judge and we are, we are no longer guilty. We're not guilty. Right. And then we are adopted. Yes. Right. And then we are regenerated or we're, we have this new birth. We're, right. we're a new creation, right? Mm-hmm. The old is gone. The new is, has come. And that's what and, we talked about last week. And now yep. we're jumping into, okay, well now guess what this means? I am a saint. I'm a saint. So and why don't you read at the end of the chapter, he gives kind of a summary of the mm-hmm. whole chapter. Why don't you read that for us to kind of get our mind focused on this? Yeah. So this is the end chapter summary. It says, I am a saint. I do not belong to myself, but to God. I have been purchased and declared by declared holy by God and set apart for God. Thus, God is ever at work to cause me to grow in spiritual maturity, a process in which he calls me to cooperate in every way out of gratitude for his mercy. Yeah. So so to be a saint, this is this is connected with the idea of being holy. So the right. Greek word is, is hagios, right? This is the noun version of it. This is saying you are a like a holy one. To be a saint is to be a holy one. And uh, and so we think holy, we think saint. And culturally speaking, we we use the word saint. He actually talks about this in he this does, elevated yeah. way. So we think about a saint is someone that the, the Roman Catholic Church, they make them a saint because of these certain criteria and it's usually after they've died. And so we, you know, they'll pray to a saint or right. they'll have a necklace with a saint or something like and for that. For them, they've done something notable, like super, something super holy or like the idea like within churches, we, I, I've called them like super Christians because yeah. we have this attitude that like we have quote unquote super Christians and versus like normal Yep. Christians, yeah. The the SEAL Team 6 of Christianity, right. or, you know, these elite believers, right? But that is actually not how the scripture speaks about being a saint at all. Correct. The scripture says that anyone who has trusted Jesus, it describes any believer in Christ mm-hmm. as a holy one, as a saint. I mean, you, you just take one book, for example. If you were to look at Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, right? He uses this word regularly over and over again. You look at... Um, Let's see, verse 15 of chapter one. He says, for this reason, Paul's talking, because I have heard of your faith. He's talking to a church, not to a a special elite Christians. He's just talking to a church full of believers. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Saints. Yeah. Right. Then you look at chapter three, verse eight. He says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, all the believers, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. A few verses later, verse 18 of chapter three, he says uh, in this prayer, may we have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and the height and depth. And he goes on to describe that, right? He's talking about all the saints. We all should understand this, have this growing understanding of who God is. And then finally, at the end of the book, he says, praying at all times, chapter six, verse 18, in the spirit with all prayers and supplications to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Right. And so Paul, in one book, he uses this term over and over again, but many of his books, he just begins with this, this address. He's saying to the saints in a certain church, in a certain city. And so being a saint is, it's to be seen as a holy one who's in Christ. Right. This is connected to being in Christo, being a saint is, I've trusted Jesus, mm-hmm. his death and resurrection. So therefore I am 
I am a saint. I am I am holy. Right. Which means we have to wrestle with that idea of holiness. And, and so sainthood, being a saint, is entirely connected to the idea of holiness. Right. And so someone who's holy, the biblical understanding of holy, when God looks at you and I and says, you are holy, he's saying, you are you are set apart by me, by God, right. as pure for my purposes. And so the church, what is the church? The church is those, ecclesia, those who are called out, those who are set apart mm-hmm. and you've been made pure. Well, you, you've been washed. I've been washed. Anyone listening right now who is trusted in Jesus and his death and resurrection, they, they have, they're clean when God looks at them. It's, it's, so if I'm hearing this correctly, when we look at the word sainthood, culturally, we tend to think of super duper Christians or these like the Roman Catholic version of, of a saint. But honestly, that's not true at all. A saint is everyone who has trusted in Christ because a saint is someone who is holy. Now, what you're saying and what biblically, biblically, what we see the word holy is the idea of being set apart. And we actually, we covered this when we talked about, um, uh, in, in Deaver's book, Deaver, his book. Uh, that we are called out of the world. We have been called out and set apart from the rest of the world to be a people for Christ. And that's what uh, this author is talking about now when it comes to holiness. So all of us who've been called out, we are set apart. If we've been set apart, then it means we are holy. And if we're holy, that means we're saints. Well, kind of, yeah. yeah. So I, I I think it a little bit different in language, right? So holiness is, is kind of these four handles, right? Okay. So holiness is set apart. That's different, differentiated from all society, right? Right. Set apart as pure, mm-hmm. right? So you are different. You live a a life that is pure, a life that is more and more in line with God's word, and God actually views you as pure, right? Mm-hmm. And, and because then, of Christ. Yep. yep. By God. So mm-hmm. the third handle is by God. So God's the one doing this. Yeah. So our sainthood, you know, being a saint isn't, well, I'm, I'm a saint because I'm trying harder. No, no, no. I am a saint because God has made me this in Christ. He has taken me out of the kingdom of darkness and placed me into his son, Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. My life is hidden with Christ in God, right? This is who I am. And then the, the fourth handle, so set apart as pure by God for his purposes, Right. So being a saint doesn't mean, okay, go and live however I want. No, actually, I'm a saint, which means I'm living the life, the purpose, mm-hmm. as as defined in the scripture, as a disciple of Jesus on mission for Christ. Well, that's kind of like, uh, it's kind of illustrated by the life of Samuel. Okay, go on. Right? So Samuel, his mother came and she prayed and cried, prayed and prayed and prayed for a child. And she, she prayed and said, Lord, if you give me a child, my firstborn, my firstborn will be yours. And when he is born, she does. She, she gives him up to the temple to be raised by, I think it was Eli. And, but then she goes on to have other children and she, she keeps her, the rest of her kids. But Samuel is literally set apart for the purposes of God to be a, in a priest within, within the temple. And so in in many ways, that's kind of what we're saying. Like it's, we are set apart and because we are set apart for the purposes of God, we live differently because we represent him. We belong to him as opposed to being belonging to someone else. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So that means we are, we are Christ's possession. That's, that's actually how um, Jerry Bridges, how he puts it, right? Yeah. Um, He quotes from first Corinthians chapter six. He says, you are not your own for you were bought with a price right? You no longer own yourself. If you are a saint, that means that, that you've been bought by Christ, that you were set set apart as pure for God's purposes. 
Um, that means the way you live is different. He actually makes the point in here. He says, hey, Andrew, I mean, this is kind of an extrapolation, but right. the clothes you have right now, whose are they? They are mine. Yeah, but he would make the point. They're not. Right. The, the, all this, this office that we're sitting in, this mm -hmm. building we're in right now, yeah. whose is it? The Lord's. It's the right. Lord's. The, our money. And then even intangible things, our time, right. our intellect, mm -hmm. our thought life, right? Our affection, like all of our life, it has been purchased. We have been made holy. We've been set apart as pure by God for his purposes. That means everything we have, it, it falls under the authority and the, the reign of mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. And that's, and what I said earlier about this being mine, it's, that's the tension between really like, I, I almost want to say an American mindset, but it's not an, it's a human mindset that what's mine is mine. And it, we kick against the idea that we belong to someone else. That's something that we have to grow out of. Because eventually when we when we look at the things that we have been blessed with or the things that we don't have, it comes down to a matter of stewardship. We Because we belong to someone else, we need to steward those things well because we they don't belong to us. They belong to our king. So, yeah. and, and so then this is like, okay, I belong to Christ. That's a that's a that's a big thing to think about, right? Like, and, and I'll, everything I'm supposed to do, he actually, again, he quotes like, and all that you do, do for the glory of God, the first Corinthians 10, like, okay, wow, everything I do, how do I manage to do this? Right? Yeah. But the reality is we, we have a helper. We are saints. We are holy, hagios, right? Yeah. And we have a helper who is the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit. yeah, the, the Spirit, this Hagios, right? So this this Helper in our holiness, this Helper in our sainthood, it indwells us, right? Lives inside of us. The Spirit is inside of us, and so that what what are some things according to Jerry Bridges that the Spirit helps with, right? What are some things the Holy Spirit works in our life with? So the work of the Holy, what is the work of oh, the Holy Spirit in our he life? He illuminates like the Scripture, right? He he convicts us of sin. He uh, encourages. Um, we, we were dead, but the, but the spirit makes us alive. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he, he's made us alive. Mm -hmm. We were under the power of Satan. He, uh, Bridges reminds us that he rescued us. He talks about Acts 26, 18. Yep. And then we, uh, we were in the dominion of darkness, but he, the spirit delivered us. We see that in Colossians 1, 13. Yeah. And then the other thing he says is our minds, they were blinded by Satan. Like literally Satan blinds the minds of the unbeliever, right? Mm -hmm. To understanding the gospel, but. He opened our minds to the truth, 2 Corinthians 4. And so these are this, this Holy Spirit living in us, uh, guiding us, teaching us, guiding us in all truth, as, as the scripture says, right? Helps us to live as saints. Yes. Um, so this leads to this tension. Okay, I, I, God views me as a saint. He says I'm a saint. He's given me this Holy Spirit to, to help me in that, yet... I look at my life and, uh, and it's, it, it's like, a, I've got a mess, you know, I'm supposed to have a clean office, but I've got a messy office. Yeah. Come on, Mike, get it together, dude. <laughs> Just so you know, uh, listeners, he's talking about me. We're sitting in my filthy office right now. Yes. So, uh, so I, I'm supposed to be someone who's, you know, living a holy life mm -hmm. that everything I do is to the glory of God. But if I'm honest, I look around at my life and, you know, my life is a life of constant repentance because I don't have it together. Right. Right. And hopefully that's the case. Hopefully we recognize our sin. We recognize our struggle and we're, we're living a life that's on a trajectory of repentance. We're right. consistently repenting, right? Mm -hmm. We're not digging our heels and saying, I got it all figured out, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, this echoes, I know this is kind of off topic, 
This echoes, though, what we talked about last week when the idea of being a new creation. But for a new creation, why does it still feel like we're we're struggling with the things in, in the past or other sins? So what... I kind of feel like we're talking about the same thing here, almost though, that, that, uh, you know, we were freed from sin and now we have a choice, but now what's, there's a different angle we're talking about. We're kind of readdressing like, yes, you still have sin, but in this, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, this is what helps us overcome those, those battles, right? So we're touching on that again, but now here's actually the answer yep. in many ways. And that's, that's the working of the Spirit as he can, continues to grow us in, in our, in our maturity. So we have that positional, view that God has us in that we are, we are saints, but we're also at the same time, we're growing in our sainthood. Yeah. So when we talk about this, we talk about sainthood. We talk about sanctification. Yeah. That's the, the big the, theological word. The for process it. of being made holy. And so this, this holiness that is ours, this sainthood that's ours, God looks at us. He set up us apart as pure for his purposes, right? This is, this is the idea that man, when God looks at me right now, he sees me as his saint who is pure. This is oftentimes called positional, right? Our position is we we are a saint. Right. God views us as pure. Mm-hmm. God views us as holy. This is positional sanctification. Our life is hidden with Christ in God, right? This is who we are when God looks at us right now. This is our identity. Answering the question, who am I? Well, ke- check this out. I am holy. Mm-hmm. I mean, very few of, I, I don't know if any of us would be so bold to, you know, walk up to someone and, hey, what's your name? Hey, my name is Mike and I am holy, right? Uh, you know, I had a friend who was a Korean pastor up north. I don't know if I've told you the story before. And uh, we were both youth pastors at the same time. Okay. His last name was Lee. Okay. His first name was Ho, right? He was oh. a youth pastor and okay. he was a little bit older. And in, in, in Korean culture, there's a lot of respect, right? Yeah. And so his, his, his youth would call him holy teacher. Right. And so he'd walk around, his name was Holy Teacher, right? Like, yeah. uh, and, and it was kind of funny, right? Yeah. Because he, he was called Holy. Right. Very few of us would take that as a moniker for ourselves. Like, right. Holy Mike. Because, yeah, because especially in that idea that he, I don't think they're calling him Holy as in like what we're saying, but Holy, like they're just addressing his name and title. That's right. Which is funny. But as Americans or, you know, a different culture, we would see like, what, what is going on with that? Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. pretty fun, pretty fun. But, yeah. uh, that's, act, that's our positional reality. Right. You know, it, I'm thinking right now about a listener right now. If someone's sitting there and they, they're they listening to this podcast after they just yelled at their kids and feel like they've been a jerk and angry. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe yesterday they, they looked at porn, mm-hmm. right? Or whatever the myriad of sins might be. You know, they're, um, they're, they're struggling with their guilt of their thought life and how it's not lining up with what God wants. You realize right now when God looks at you, if you have trusted Jesus, you are a saint and your position is you are holy. Right. And that is that wow. identity. And that is that that position that yep. because of Christ, because you're aligned with Christ, that's what he sees. That's what he sees. Yet, yeah. yet they've got the struggle. Mm-hmm. And the struggle is defined as progressive sanctification. Right. So we have positional sanctification. Our identity is holy. We are saints. Mm-hmm. And then we have progressive sanctification, which is the outworking of the spirit in our life, little by little, day by day, week by week, month by month, transforming us into the image of his son, making us more like Jesus. Ed Stetzer in his book, uh, How People Change. I like one thing that he says, like when Christ looks or when God looks at you, he sees Christ. So positionally, he sees Christ. But because of the sin and everything else, the rest of our lives, as we are growing in holiness, 
Christ is already in us. The rest of it is the actualization of more Christ as, as it's, it's all there, but it's like uncovering the, the massive image of Christ that's hidden underneath the dirt and the mire and the crud in our lives. And as he brushes it, Christ is actualized more and more and we become more like Jesus because it's all there. Now we're just learning to, to, to tap into that, giving more control of Christ in different areas of our lives to reflect him. So it's, it's that positional, but then like, again, the progressive part is just him being actualized as we grow into that. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think Jerry Bridges references it, but it makes me think of Philippians chapter two, verses 12 through 13. Paul writes, he, he's writing to this church. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. So he's saying, hey, I'm not with you. When I was there with you, you would obey my instructions, but yeah. now I'm away. So continue to do it. And this is what he says. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Wait, wait, wait work for our salvation? No, no, no. He's saying, live it out. Right. Strive with fear and trembling because God's a holy God and we've been called to be holy. So this is that that progressive sanctification, right? Yeah. But are we alone in it? No. Verse 13, he says, for, God, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Right. He says, God's the one working in you, giving you the desire and the power mm-hmm. to, to please him. God's the one doing it, right? Yeah. And so our fear and trembling is is flowing out of God's spirit in us, right. leading us in holiness, right. in sainthood. And so one thing that he does make distinction, though, in, in his book, uh, this author, his name is Bridges, right? Jeff Bridges? Jerry Bridges. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Bridges. That's, I always get confused because I think about the actor. Yes. Anyway, is that salvation-wise, we don't work for that. The spirit saved us. But... The growth when God convicts us, when He leads us into repentance, and when we are, and when we are growing in our in our in our sainthood, that is something that we need to lean into. That we work through it because it's the Spirit of God leading us, empowering us to be able to grow in those areas. I, this this illustration eventually breaks down, but the way I see it is like if you if you got like a gym membership, right? You you suddenly have access to everything you need. But you still need to go and work it to change and to grow. But you have the access now. Whether God gave you the access, it's all there. Everything you need is there. Right. But now work it. Get in there and work it. And that's part of why, you know, as a church, we, we've got to strive to be a church of grace. Yes. You know, you think about as a church, you're going to have the gamut of people in different walks with Christ, right? You're going to have people that have been walking with Jesus for decades. And their their repentance is like inside their mind like selfish thoughts that they're putting to death right they're not like you know maybe out partying on the weekends like they were 20 years ago they're right. it, it, they've grown mm-hmm. they, they, they've taken strides but what happens sometimes is because they've grown to this certain level they can begin to think that everyone else should be at the same level they are right and that's that that robs a church of grace mm-hmm. because we got to recognize man god's spirit is going to be working in each of our lives in different ways in different forms mm-hmm. you know have you ever seen this in ministry i have i have and like we we, we call this progressive sanctification so it's the idea that i like to say that we're on a journey right we're on a journey of 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 growth and becoming more like Jesus. And we need to respect that journey. And what I've seen is the idea that like in churches past that I've been a part of, I have seen people complain. I I remember one time I had a a church member come to me and come and they say, Hey, 
This person right now, he's out in the parking lot. He's smoking cigarettes. How dare he do that? How, doesn't he know that this is, a, this is setting a bad example for our kids? He needs to knock that off. He's not stewarding his body well. And as I listened to this, um, I, and I listened for who this was, I'm like, well, I, I see what you're saying, but did you, did you know that this person just got done? Like he's, he, he's with, he's, he's having, he's dealing with the withdrawals from like meth. Like he, he's repenting of drug use right now. Right. So it might be a big step for him to quit those things and smoking right now at the same time. I'm not saying that this is a good thing, but what I'm saying is, you know, God worked first in his heart to give up drug use. And maybe in the course of time, maybe God will come to this next, but maybe who knows where God will. Maybe, maybe he struggled with uh, pornography and God says, okay, now, now let's work through this. And it's going to be a while before we get to just cigarettes. You know, and so we, we need to give grace because we don't know where, what, where we're at in that journey. And we need to, I don't know, when someone faithfully shows up and they're engaged, I can, I feel like when you see a repentant heart, I just, I, I want to believe that God is working. I have to trust that they're, they're following God and repenting and growing in some area that I may not know. So I think to me, the challenge there is to make sure that we're connecting with people with people within our church too, is that we're loving them, supporting them. It's, it's, it's tough to be a church of grace and truth, but that's mm-hmm. the calling, right? Yeah. And so to, to have the truth to say, you know, hey man, you, you, you let, let's talk about things going on in your life. Mm-hmm. Let, let's help you grow through things, right? Yeah. But also not to be so like uh, dictatorial or domineering that you're like, okay, if everyone does not look the exact same way and talk the exact same, like that's yeah. not that's not church, right? Right. This this giving grace, like, you know what? We, I want people that are struggling with addiction to come to our church right. and feel, feel God's grace and God's love as they're working through this, right? Uh, the last thing we want is to be a church that you, you can only come once you've cleaned up your act. Right, because that's not how that works at that's all. It's not. No, if anything, we should be having, I don't want to use the word dirty, but like broken people coming into our church because we're all broken. And let's be really honest, right? If we're a church that you have to be, you have to have your act cleaned up to come to, guess what? That means everyone that can come is disqualified or they have to fake it. Yeah. And we don't want that. Yeah. We don't want that at all. And just going back to my story earlier, like, you know what would have solved that issue? Just a conversation. Like if you don't know where someone's at in their life, maybe you should go find out where they're at in their life because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Because I do like, I'm not telling you we shouldn't hold each other accountable. But let's hold each other accountable wherever God is like leading us at the moment. Because if you, that this person who came to me would have just had a conversation and heard their story and be like, oh man, God's doing this work in your life. I will walk with you. I will hold you accountable in, in this and support you. <clears throat> I was yeah. reading about this this week, thinking about uh, missionaries when they go and they engage a culture that is, you know, maybe they're, uh, they, they worship, you know, they're pantheistic. They worship all these different gods, or maybe mm-hmm. they polygamist, or maybe they're like a, a culture of violence and revenge and that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And they start coming to faith, right? Are you going, is a missionary, a wise missionary going to say, okay, these are all the things you've got to change right away. Oh, and by the way, you need to start looking like I do and dressing like a Westerner. And oh, you, by the way, you got to sing, you know, songs in this style. And oh, by the way, you've got, you know, is that what you're going to do? <laughs> no, you're, no. you're going to focus on Jesus. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to trust God's spirit and God's timing and God's way to begin to transform that culture. That's what God's spirit does. You know, and in that, you would you would want to see where is God at work. And out of all these things that God wants to, that we know by his word, God wants to challenge, redeem, and, and re- cause people to repent of, where is he at work right now? And it's join him in that. 
you know, in, in that culture of like, maybe that culture is dealing with a revenge, anger, and pol- polygamy. But then the, one of the, the people in that culture is like, you know what? I need to, I need to work on my, my vengeance. I'm angry. Well, instead of attacking the polygamy part, if God's working here, let's join him in that. And you'll experience God. Yep. And you'll, you'll build momentum, really. So this progressive sanctification, it's kind of like saying, don't expect a child to be an adult, right? Yes. I, I can't expect my five-year-old to, to act like my 13-year-old does. He doesn't have the capability. And I can't expect my 13-year-old to live as an adult man like me, right? There, There is a progression, even though the goal is the same, is to look the way God sees you. God sees you as holy, his saint. And the progression is to, to grow into that more and more, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. So, Mike, I, uh, I think we're coming to the end of this conversation, but there's one thing I wanted to really emphasize on that is that progressive sanctification. We we don't want anybody to judge and to um, disrespect someone's journey, but I do want to come back to the idea that like this idea of spiritual growth is in by Philippians. It says that we're supposed to work that out. So that means there is a genuine effort on our end to work it, to grow and if we're not going to put forth the effort, that's why we stay stuck where we're at. No one is going to do, you, you can't like, going back to that, that gym illustration, right? If you go back, you have, you have access to a gym and you, you hire a trainer to walk you through things and the trainer is doing all your bench pressing and all your lat pulls and all your squats and all these things like it, you're not experiencing any growth at all. You got to go in there. You got to do the work and then the spirit will guide you through that yeah that's the that's the tension right we're responsible for our lives Mm -hmm. yet god's the one that's doing it right god's the one giving us the power and the desire yet we own responsibility that's one of the the tensions of scripture that i think gives beauty to to our understanding of of faith and so ultimately that's that's a question of motivation then right and it it, it's really we're motivated this is where jerry bridges ends right by god's mercies yes therefore by the mercies of god my brethren present yourselves as a living sacrifice present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god right that's what we're doing we're saying i am i've been saved god has sanctified me how am i going to live my life right now in in light of that yeah so i i think the prayer here is that as people are listening to this and as people are challenged by scripture uh rest in the idea and know that you you don't need to be a super christian because there is no super christian we have all been those of us who claim Christ as Lord and Savior, we have been set apart from the world. But it's we need to lean into our sanctification. We need to lean into the redemptive work, uh, the the work that the Holy Spirit leads us into, and not keep poo pooing it. It's this is the idea that we don't just have some golden ticket and now we're just waiting <laughs> to go to heaven. There is so much more happening in our lives, and we need to engage in it. And it's a blessing. And it's, it's a calling. You're a saint. Live like it. Yeah. Yeah. So Mike, would you want to close us in prayer? Let's do it. All right. Lord, thank you for the great uh, mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the transformation that happens in our lives when we trust in his death and resurrection. Thank you that while we have walked as sinners and while we still sin, our identity now is that we are saints, that we are holy. We are set apart by you for your purposes. God, I pray that you would help each of us to progressively live that way more and more. 
God, I pray that you would help us to listen to, to the truth of Scripture. Uh, our identity is now we are in Christ. You see us a certain way. And Lord, help that motivate us to live in line with who we are. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.